BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Vice President Kamala Harris will be in San Bernardino today, where she's expected to announce more federal money for wildfire prevention. From KVCR and the Inland Empire, Jonathan Linden reports. Harris will announce $1.3 billion in disaster relief funding for the U.S. Forest Service. Nearly half of that will go to California. The money will help pay for things like reforestation and cleanup of hazardous materials. Harris is also expected to discuss a $48 billion federal investment in projects meant to reduce fire threats and create more drought-resistant landscapes. As part of her visit, she'll tour the San Bernardino National Forest and get a briefing on the 2022 fire season. Over the last two years, CAL FIRE says more than 6.5 million acres have burned in the state. For the California Report, I'm Jonathan Linden in San Bernardino. A lot of rain and snow fell on California in December. Because of the storms, California's Department of Water Resources has announced there's enough water in state reservoirs to meet 15% of water requests across California from municipal and agricultural suppliers. Now, the 15% isn't much, but it's way better than the 0% allocation announced by the state last month. Whether more water can be supplied in the future will depend on how many rainy and snowy days we have ahead of us. Have you seen those viral images of the epic mess that was left behind in Los Angeles after thieves broke into idling cargo trains? Well, Governor Gavin Newsom visited the mess yesterday and said it looked like something you'd see in, quote, a third world country. Newsom also used his visit to pitch his proposal to create a special unit to investigate retail thefts in the state, often perpetrated by what Newsom says are highly mobile criminal networks that target everything from high-end stores to cargo trains. They're organized groups of folks that move from site to site. When there's more attention, a bright light on one site, they move to the next site. When it comes to the train thefts, Union Pacific says it's working with the CHP and local law enforcement to investigate. And it's also beefing up security. That includes putting up new fencing at train yards and deploying drones. For generations, doctors have been taught to prescribe certain medications to black patients with high blood pressure. But a new study out this week from UC San Francisco finds those guidelines were wrong. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski explains. In the 1990s, researchers worked hard to recruit more people of color into hypertension studies. They'd been historically left out of research, so this alone was revolutionary. The researchers concluded that certain medications like water pills or calcium blockers worked better for black patients. 
so they recommended not prescribing other pills, ones that block cardiovascular hormones. Researcher Hunter Holt found most doctors today still follow that advice. These guidelines were really created with the idea of trying to address this disparity of hypertension control. And so they were a good faith effort. But Holt says the researchers back then oversimplified the findings. When he studied the medical charts of more than 10,000 patients with hypertension today, he found these race-based prescribing guidelines provided no benefit to Black patients. They could even be causing harm. Why would you prescribe a water pill to someone that has incontinence issues or is homeless and doesn't have access to a bathroom? Like, they're going to be peeing more. That medicine doesn't make any sense for them. They might stop taking it because of the side effects, putting them at higher risk for kidney disease. Holt says doctors should be prescribing medications based on the individual in front of them, their diet, housing, other health issues, and not their race. For The California Report, I'm April Domboski. California's junior U.S. Senator, Democrat Alex Padilla, has just marked his first year in office. A progressive who's an ardent supporter of much of the Biden administration's policy goals, Padilla has participated in some victories, like the passage of the big infrastructure bill. But he's also seen a lot of what he went to Washington to do, like immigration reform and more social spending, blocked by both Republicans and his fellow Democrats, Senators Kirsten Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia. I talked to Padilla about his first year as a U.S. Senator and what he's been able to do and not do. Senator Padilla, thanks for joining us on the California Report. Thank you for having me back. Senator, let's start with some big news out of the U.S. Senate, and that's the failure of voting rights legislation to pass this week. You're a longtime champion of expanding the right to vote. Uh, You were once California's Secretary of State, where you managed uh, and oversaw elections here. What's your reaction to this? What does this all mean? Look, uh, clearly disappointed. We know that uh, it's not just that voting rights are important. Uh, but they're literally under attack in uh, so many states across the country. We see the uh, election subversion when uh, political forces are targeting nonpartisan, professional state and local elections officials. There's a big problem. And uh, we don't have to imagine what it could lead to. Uh, All we have to do is reflect on the deadly insurrection in the Capitol of last January 6th. So do you think that this takes an already hot political climate in this country and makes it that much more hotter? Oh, look, by the tension in Senate chambers all day yesterday, I can tell you we are at uh, pretty much at peak high. I want to talk about you, Senator Padilla. You're observing your first year in office as U.S. Senator from California, but you weren't elected to this position. Governor Newsom picked you to replace Kamala Harris when she became vice president. So couple of questions. What kind of a first year have you had? And why should voters elect you to this office? Because you are facing an election campaign this year. Uh, Look, it's uh, been quite an eventful year, but I think in many ways, a very uh, successful, effective first year. To think that uh, within the first few weeks of my time in the Senate, I was able to take part in the crafting and the passage of the American Rescue Plan. Uh, That measure meant billions of dollars in aid to state and local governments, to working families, to small business owners. Flash forward to uh, the end of 2021, when the president signed the bipartisan infrastructure package, which included several of my measures, money for resiliency of the electrical grid, money for water infrastructure, money for transportation and 
public transit and high-speed internet access for more people, tremendous historic investments, uh, but we have a lot more work to do. Comprehensive immigration reform, uh, investments in childcare, housing, healthcare, so uh, eager to continue the work. Well, you just listed them yourself. It would sound to me like you've had arguably more losses than victories during your short tenure there in the Senate. When you add up the tally sheets, there are more L's than W's, no? Look, if, if anybody who has studied history knows anything about the United States Senate, it's not uh, necessarily the most efficient place to, to get things done. But when we act, as we did with the Infrastructure and Jobs Act and the American Rescue Plan, they're big moments. And so we need to continue the momentum. It doesn't make it easy when it's literally a 50-50 split in the Senate. And then you have, of course, the F word the filibuster rule that still stands in the way of so much progress. But, you know, I didn't take this job because I thought it was going to be easy. I took this job because it's so important. Senator Alex Bidia, thank you so much for joining us on the California Report. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Continue to stay safe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. For many, a cherished childhood memory was doing the double dutch. That's when a group uses two jump ropes with one person in the middle jumping and dancing to singing or music. In San Diego, some women are reclaiming double dutch as adults and creating a healing space in the process. Here's KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim. Any given Wednesday night at the Allied Gardens Community Center, chances are you'll hear the sound of music echoing off the basketball court cement. You'll also hear the sound of women all over the age of 40 laughing and playing double dutch. I'm excited when I come to Double Dutch. Like when I know it's Wednesdays, you can ask my husband and my son. It's, I'm like, it's Double Dutch Wednesdays. That's Citra Shields, the captain and founder of San Diego's 40-plus Double Dutch chapter. She first started the club last summer after seeing a viral video on Facebook about the original 40-plus Double Dutch group in Chicago. I looked at it and I said, wait, where are these women? I need friends like this. She organized a club and then started spreading the word locally. I put it on Black San Diego and asked, hey, um, I'm looking for women over 40. If you're interested, DM me. And I had about 50, 50 plus women say, hey, I'm interested. Where are you? Fifteen of those 50 women became the core San Diego chapter. They're all older than 40 years old and proud of it. Okay, youngest, get on down. (laughs) Youngest. Oh, you're going to be older than me? In fact, their ages are emblazoned on the back of their club t-shirts. That's the only rule. Everyone's welcome, but you have to be a woman and you have to be over 40. We don't want to deal with men with boyfriends, with husbands. We don't want to deal with kids. We want this to be a time for us. Pamela Robinson is the founder of the first 40-plus double Dutch group in Chicago, and she oversees over 100 subclubs around the world. Because at the age of 40, you do so much for other people. We're always doing for other people and holding everything together for everybody else. So we need some time to just hold ourselves together. Back in San Diego, Rosa Barr-Williams has been part of the group since the beginning. I think it's just bringing out the youth in in all of us. And that's why I think it's the 40 plus, you know, although you're 40, it doesn't matter. 
You can still come here, have fun, bring your childhood games with you. The formula is simple. Each time the club meets, they take turns playing double dutch. So now, this is just us getting our double dutch, our warm up. They hula hoop. We got 40, we got 50, we got 60. And they dance. It's really good exercise, but it's also more than that. I've had several horrible days, and <laughs> if it wasn't on a Wednesday where we do meet, it was one of my sisterhoods in the back behind me, all of my sisters being able to help me out, being able to just reach out outside of the whole jump. You know, Wednesday is just the day we come together, but we're there for each other each and every week. And that sisterhood is exactly what Regina Dixon-Reeves was looking for when she joined the group after moving to San Diego in July. We have such a small uh, black population in San Diego, about 5%. And so I was just looking for people who kind of looked like me, who had some of the activities that I did. Shortly after moving, she had to get emergency dental surgery. She didn't know anyone. It was Rosa, her fellow jumper, who took care of her and told her, Girl, you're here by yourself. I'll drive you. I'll see about you. I'll make sure that you're all right. Right? If I hadn't had this group, I wouldn't have had that connection. In the end, it's a place all their own, where they can reconnect with who they used to be. For an hour, hour and a half, you get to just kind of laugh and joke and be a kid again. Um, be a black girl. That is wonderful. Because one thing about it, many of us black girls, we grew up a lot too fast. And so this gives you a chance to revisit that. Because sometimes, in order to be an adult in this world, it helps to remember what it was like to be a kid again. Which is why every Wednesday, these local San Diego women are making the time to lace up their sneakers and play until the lights go out. For the California Report, I'm Christina Kim in San Diego. And that is the California Report for Friday, January 21st, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Keith Mizuguchi, and Holly J. McDeed. Our editor is Angela Corral. Our managing editor is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. 
Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.